Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Today is Thursday, July 16th. Lauren, something very historic happened on July 16th, 230 years ago. Do you have any idea what that was? Virginia, was that when your mother was born? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Rude, first off. (laughs) I'm going to choose to look past that, though. (laughs) Um, All right. So I'm going to give you three choices. And if you get this right, I will buy you a Diet Coke. So on July 16, 1790, was that A, the day Washington, D.C. was declared the permanent capital of the U.S., B, the day construction began on the current White House, or C, George and Martha Washington's 30th wedding anniversary celebrated with a party at Mount Vernon. Hmm. I'm going to go with C, because I I mean... The 30th wedding anniversary party sounds awesome. So, no, that I think that year was their 31st wedding anniversary, and they were married in January, I believe. The correct answer is actually A. That was the day that D.C. was declared the permanent capital of the United States. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. I know. Kind of a fun fact. All right, well, moving on from trivia, Lauren, what do we have queued up on today's show? Up on today's Problematic Women, our colleague Lindsay Fifield joins us to discuss Teen Vogue's latest article attacking Ronald Reagan. Lindsay also weighs in on Jiffy's new, quote, mute white people sticker. Plus, Heritage's Anna Quintana gives us her take on the left's Goya Foods boycott. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. Teen Vogue. Lauren, they are at it again. And this time, they want you to know not just how bad President Trump is, but also Ronald Reagan. Teen Vogue's latest article is Ronald Reagan wasn't the good guy president anti-Trump Republicans want you to believe in. And if I could summarize the opinion piece in just one sentence, it would be Reagan was bad and Trump is worse. I think what is so fascinating about this piece is what the author, Lucy Diavallo, chose to attack, which is Ronald Reagan and President Trump's economic policies. She writes, quote, but despite what the Republican voters against Trump might want you to believe, Reagan's economic model, Reaganomics, as it came to be known, is exactly what Trump has been pushing for years. And she continues to explain what Reaganomics is, which is the term which describes kind of Reagan's economic policies, and which is also very similar to the policies that Trump has implemented of, you know, tax cuts and cutting welfare spending and 
uh, growing the military, cutting regulations to allow for more free market capitalism and so on and so forth. And somehow she manages to see all these things as completely terrible, that these policies that have allowed for record low unemployment before COVID-19 and tax cuts for the middle and lower class and more families to open businesses by cutting that red tape, she spends all of this in a commentary piece so that these growth policies are actually somehow oppressive. And frankly, I just do not follow her logic. Lindsay Fifield, the Heritage Foundation's social media manager, is here with us to weigh in. Lindsay, what were your thoughts, first reactions when you read this Teen Vogue piece? This is just another example. And I love that you guys always call out Teen Vogue because I think it is so important for us to not be afraid to hit back. I think one thing that the left does really well and that Teen Vogue does particularly well is they mock anyone who dares to call them out for the kind of propaganda that they're putting out because they'll say, oh, look at this boomer. Look at this, you know, this conservative getting all hot and bothered over our pieces. And they they make fun of us and they act like that gives them some kind of high road because they just dismiss our concerns when our concerns are valid. We have a lot of, I mean, this, this, this kind of revisionist history that we see them using, which is ironic in the piece that you guys are talking about, particularly Lucy's piece on Reagan. She even says historical revision is not cute. And I thought, yes, Lucy, we agree. Historic revision is not cute and we shouldn't engage in it. And we shouldn't allow it. And that's why I would love to see her cite some sources for the, the things that she's written here about Reagan. It's really interesting to see that she's told the truth and then just warped it around a framework, but it just melts like candy glass as soon as you expose it to the truth, because as soon as you actually go through, I recommend, you know, we have some great pieces that we can link in the show notes, I'm sure, um, that that debunk the claims that they've made about Reagan and particularly about the effects of Reaganomics that I think it's really important for young people to understand because one way that the left does get away with these lies is they know that we're generationally removed from them now. So they're trying to target a younger audience, a younger generation who don't actually know because they didn't live through the generation that, that she's referring to. So they're an easy target for this kind of lie. Well, Lindsay, I, I think that was so well said. And what I don't get is why is talking about Trump and Reagan pertinent at all to a young woman's magazine? Well, we know that their audience isn't actually the young audience they claim to have. Um, by and large, of course, the print Teen Vogue was super popular with young people, and there are a lot of articles that they put out. Obviously, their style and culture uh sections of their website are more popular with their younger demographic, but you actually see adults passing around these articles. So when you see Lucy um, sharing new pieces and coming out with new pieces, you don't see a lot of teenagers actually sharing these pieces and give, and gravitating to them too much. I am heartened that it's mostly old people and older people um, who are sharing these things. So I, I don't think, you know, but I do think the reason that she is, uh, and the Teen Vogue in particular is, focused on this kind of political um, space is they know that this is it's a it's a critical intersection for a lot of their 
uh, a younger audience that might think, okay, we've got conservative parents. They're arguing back with us at the dinner table. You know, you've got a lot of parents in this country right now who are really concerned about what their kids are learning at school, the kinds of leftist arguments that they're making because they're on TikTok and they're exposed to only one worldview. So then they sit down with their conservative parents at dinner. And what Team Vogue is trying to do is arm those people with enough of the truth, but then also a distortion that they can very easily confuse. I think if if you're not ready for these arguments, if you don't have the answers and the truth, if you have a teenager that comes at you and says, well, I read that, you know, Reaganomics actually increased the uh, unemployment rate or caused, you know, major national debt or just whatever she claims in this piece. If you don't actually have your facts straight, those lies can just permeate. Well, and Lindsay, I felt like the piece itself was so contradictory, kind of all throughout, like over and over. And one of the claims that I found so interesting is she kind of goes through this whole bit talking about how much the Hispanic and Latino countries suffered under Reagan. And today, you know, people are suffering at the border, trying to get in to the country under Trump. Um, but she's making these claims of isn't this terrible? But then she's not a- acknowledging like, okay, but why, why do these individuals want to come to America if if Reagan was so, so bad to those cultures and if President Trump is so oppressive towards Latino culture, why are they still so eager to come into the country and pursue the American dream? That's the question that you will never get anyone on the left to give you a straight answer to. You can you can ask them that just the way that you phrased it, and they will never come back to you with an honest and direct answer. They will dance around it. I mean, we, we have members of Congress now who are immigrants themselves and speak with such hostility to the country that brought them in, Ilhan Omar in particular. Um, you know, there, there are so many others that just have this cognitive dissonance between this country welcomed you and and why and you and we're grateful to have you here why would you then turn around and bash the country that's given you so much it is really interesting that you see that that contradiction within this piece but then also just about the the results that she comes to about what immigrants from Central American countries um, the reason that they're coming to the United States in huge numbers but then also the points that she makes about Reaganomics. Um, We know that the tax cuts uh, pre-global pandemic were uh, resulting in one of the best economies that this country has ever experienced. The left completely ignores that and tries to pretend that this dystopia um, that they've created is a reality, and it's just not. Lindsay, Teen Vogue isn't the only platform furthering division in America right now. There's a new sticker on Instagram, uh, which is, if you guys didn't know, the stickers are powered through a separate social media platform called Jiffy that says, quote, mute white people. I have so many thoughts on this, but I just want to go over kind of what the process is of, of creating a sticker and how does language like this actually get onto Instagram and into people's feeds? There was so much confusion about this when Katie Pavlich shared this on Twitter yesterday, and I was really excited about it because every time that anything has to do with gifts and stickers, I get all excited because I've been trying to tell conservatives for a really long time, and particularly publishers, that you really need to be focused, and this is one space where the left just completely dominates. And it's not even that, you know, we can talk a lot about conservatives being shadow banned or kept off of platforms or deplatformed. Conservatives are deplatformed 
deplatforming themselves by not being a part of Giphy and not trying to be more present on the platform. But what you do see is the left has really dominated um, this, the platform. So Giphy, like you mentioned, is a platform where people can upload GIFs and stickers. And like you said, stickers are GIFs for Instagram and Snapchat. And when you upload those stickers and GIFs to Giphy, if you have a verified account, which the Daily Signal, for example, I got our verified account a little over a year ago because I knew if those gifts and stickers from our account um, come from a verified account, they will then show up automatically on the gift banks. So users that are using Twitter and Instagram, you might look at those gift banks and just think these gifts appear magically out of nowhere. No, that is how they that is how they get there. And so it is really important for conservatives to start showing up in this space and to hit back against the left. When you search things that are pro-life, when you search things that are pro-capitalism or pro-America, a lot of times what you pull up are um, you'll pull up gifts that are very anti-American, anti-capitalism, anti, um, you know, pro-abortion. And so it's important for us to show up in that space. And this is a great example. One important part of this was a lot of people immediately saw the sticker and started, you know, flagging it for Instagram. And yes, tertiarily, it is Instagram's responsibility. But what I pointed out to everyone is when you see something like this, search on Giphy for it and find out who made it. Because I I did a search for it. I found out that it was created by Refinery29, which is another online publisher. They have a verified account. And they... Um, once I flagged the GIF and sent the link around and told everybody like, hey, flag this GIF, it's obviously in violations of their terms of service. A lot of people did that and Giphy did end up taking the sticker off of the Instagram GIF bank. The sticker is still searchable on Giphy. It's still there. And Refinery29's account still has their blue check mark. Meanwhile, a little bit earlier this year, the Daily Signal's account, we had our blue check mark revoked for no reason whatsoever. It was, they said, a misunderstanding. But I think that it was because we had pro-life and pro-capitalism stickers and gifts on our account that they did not like and people had reported them. And they automatically stripped our blue check mark before we reached out to them and said, hey, what's going on here? And they made up an excuse and said that there was a miscommunication and that they tried to get in touch with us and weren't able to, which Again, not true. I, I checked. Um, they had not tried to contact us in any way before taking our, our check mark away. Um, they reinstated it, thankfully, because that is one way that I think the left could very easily deplatform. If if they had kept our check mark off of our Giphy account, no pro life stickers, no pro capitalism stickers, and no pro American stickers would be searchable on Instagram, period, to this day. Well, and Lindsay, I think, you know, one thing that I find so disturbing specifically about this sticker, Mute White People, is you got to think about like, okay, the people on Instagram, on Giphy, there are a lot of young people. Um, and the message that is being sent is if you don't like what other people are saying, we can just cancel them. We can put them on mute. And if anyone else kind of appears as a quote unquote threat, we can cancel them and that that will somehow work to empower another group of people. And that is such a lie. You know, we've seen history has showed us over and over and over that the suppression of one group of people does not build up another group. 
Right. We need more voices, not less, which again goes to my point. We need more conservatives on Giphy, not less. But I think we need we need more vo- voices saying a number of things. And so what we should do, actually, that's something, Lauren, if you want to create a new fun sticker, because Lauren, you create a lot of our stickers, we should make one that's like, unmute everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We want all the voices to be heard. Exactly. (laughs) I think Lindsay should come and uh, put me on the spot to make new stickers, because I I think we definitely (laughs) need some more. We need more. We need, I, I have so many subjects that I'd love to be able to search when I'm looking for things, not just pro-capitalism and not just pro-life. There's so many issues that you might think if you're just a general person on the internet looking for something to put in your Instagram story, if it gives you that mindset that your views don't have a home anywhere when you try to search for something that that is supporting what you're thinking or what you're saying. And all you can see in the top nine on Instagram is stuff from the left about climate change or about trans rights or black lives matter. And you're not seeing anything that, that looks familiar to you. Lindsay, a lot of our listeners might not have the platform that that you or or me or Virginia have, and they might feel maybe alone or, or like they have a small organization um, and their voice isn't really heard, and it's drowned out on places like Facebook and Twitter. What are mm-hmm. a couple tips that you have to really kind of make yourself be seen? That's a really good question, and that's that's the question that we're dealing with, I think, this year more than ever, uh, as people do sense that they're being suppressed in ways that they can prove and ways that they just sense. Um, if you're trying to break through the void, first of all, I think building a strong network, it takes time. You can't just expect to show up on the internet. You have to have an established voice. If you build it, they will come. I think being consistent and showing up is key and just making sure that you are reaching out and building allies and making friends along the way, not being nasty, making sure that you're reading the community guidelines. I always say whenever I'm dealing with any social platform, read the community guidelines, make sure that you're not in violation of them. There are ways for conservatives to make sure that we are being kind and loving and respectful every step of the way so that we are beyond reproach. We don't, we can't just be in the conversation and behaving the way that the left is. It's not fair, but if you really want to make sure that you're beyond reproach and that you can't be shadow banned or have anything like that um, happen to you, just make sure that you're being as respectful and kind as possible so that if you do get your account flagged for something, you can demonstrate very easily hey, look, I'm not in violation of anything. I was being very respectful. And if that does happen to you and you're not getting feedback from any of these social platforms, reach out to us and we will be happy to help you. Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. We just love chatting with you, love having you on the podcast and really appreciate you joining us. Thanks, guys. At any time, this is my favorite podcast. You're the best. (laughs) All right. Well, now stay tuned for our conversation with Heritage's Anna Quintana about cancel culture's latest attack on Goya Foods. But first, I have to tell you all about a truly great way to stay in the news on current events this summer. The Heritage Foundation offers multiple live webinars every week that dive into issues facing our nation today. What I love about these webinars is that they offer expert analysis on things like the state of our economy, our relationship with China, updates on COVID-19, and much more. So go ahead and visit the events page on the Heritage Foundation website and start learning today.
Robert Unanwe, the CEO of Goya Foods, spoke at the White House on July 10th. He was there for the signing of the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative, a project meant to improve Hispanic Americans' access to education. Standing on the lawn of the White House in the presence of President Trump and other leaders, Unanwe had this to say of the president per NBC News. We're all truly blessed at the same time to have a leader like President Trump, who was a builder. And that's what my grandfather did. He came to this country to build, to grow, to prosper. And so we have an incredible builder, and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and we pray for our country that we will continue to prosper and, and to grow. For calling Trump a builder, and calling the nation to prayer, progressives attacked the Latino-owned business and called for a boycott of the Goya brand. AOC posted the video on Twitter with the caption, oh look, it's the sound of me Googling how to make your own adobo. The hashtag Goya way has been everywhere on Twitter. Here to discuss the latest episodes of the left's obsession with cancel culture is our friend Anna Quintana, Heritage Foundation's Senior Policy Analyst for Latin America and the Western Hemisphere. Anna, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So when this all kind of happened, uh, I mean, what was your initial reaction? I mean, I was just, I was literally, like, at first, I, I just, I was so angry. You know, I was, it was like a mix of laughter and outrage, because I'm like, guys, you really cannot be going after Goya, right? Like, so many of us grew up on this. And just, like, for us, like, for a lot of us, like, who grew up in Miami or, like, South Florida or, like, in, like, the Latino culture, like, Goya was, like, our like mac and cheese and like craft foods like we didn't eat peanut butter and jelly or any of that like we grew up on goya we grew up on croquetas and like all of that like this is like our thing and just it's it's really just shocking to hear like the aocs and others of the world to say like they were just so quick and willing to give up on just what I think, frankly, is just a big part of our heritage, just because of their just militant hatred of, of Trump. And it's like, look, you can feel however it is you want about him just because of their insanity, right? But to just be so willing and open to want to see the destruction of this like Latino owned company and to just be perfectly willing to say, I'm comfortable with seeing Americans out of work. It's just, it's, it's quite disgusting. No, Anna, I, I had the same thought. I mean, the whole thing is just so wild because the CEO, Robert Unanue is a man whose family immigrated to America. They worked hard to build that Goya food brand. They really are that American success story that the left kind of claims that they want for all those people at the border who immigrate to America. But the second that uh, that Unanue said even one kind word about the president, suddenly now he deserves for his business, the business that his family spent years building, he deserves for that to be taken away. It's just, it's totally nonsensical. No, exactly, right? I mean, it's so sad, right? And, and it's just, it's honestly, it's just, it highlights this this growing kind of movement in this country where like if you are a latino who just 
does not abide by like the left's idea of what Latinos should be or what Latinos should think. Like if you even remotely say anything remotely positive about the president, forget it. That's it. You are done. And it's just like, and he highlighted things that we should all support that even if you are on the left or the right, that the president has brought about unprecedented economic growth in this country. And he's completely reversed the trends on Hispanic unemployment rates. I mean, he's done fantastic things. And these are things that we should want all want to celebrate but forget it because it was president trump we should all want to demonize him and i mean and now that the knives are out for this guy's company and it's just it's really sad yeah i mean i can't imagine the right boycotting something because somebody said something nice about president obama i mean it's not like they're burning the american flag or you know saying the, the betsy ross's flag is racist i mean literally he just said Trump is a good guy and we should pray for our country. Uh, absolutely. And honestly, imagine the teeny tiny pathetic little world that conservatives would ha would be living in if like we did not eat at restaurants or buy clothes or just engage in any sort of kind of commercial exchanges, whatever, with companies that did not fully support the ideas and values that we believe in. Honestly, it'd be a really pathetic world if we didn't listen to the music of artists that didn't believe in our values. I mean, it just, it would be so sad. And But in reality, we just accept that not everybody is gonna believe the same way that we do, and we just, we move on. And I just, I don't understand why the left, not only do they think that, oh, if you don't believe the same way that I do, I'm gonna boycott and force your company into bankruptcy, right? For them, they take it one step further. They, it's the cancel culture is one that it's like, like, I'm going to cancel you and burn you into the ground. And Anna, you spent a lot of time studying countries like Venezuela and a lot of, you know, actually socialist countries in South America. And can you imagine if the people who are starving there saw American leftists throwing out food because they disagree with what the person said? I've seen so many pictures online of these incredibly wealthy Americans, just literally some people who are actual millionaires throwing food into the garbage, right? And like growing up, we were always taught that that is a mortal sin. You do not throw food away under any circumstances. You just don't. Throw. Like my parents were raised in Cuba, right? And I just always have this joke, like growing up, like I've like, like, Milk is not my best friend, right? But like we just drank milk because my parents, milk was not available to them in Cuba. Powdered milk, and if that's if they were lucky, that's what they were given. They never really had the opportunity to ever drink milk until they came to America. And so I see these pictures of people throwing food away and it's like, how do you do that? Like, how do you throw away perfectly good food knowing that in America right now, there are tens of millions of Americans unemployed. There's even more Americans waiting hours and hours in line at food banks right now who would literally be so thrilled to be able to serve that to their kids so their kids don't go to bed hungry. Yet they, just because of their insanity, because they've never had the experience of ever going to bed at night hungry or they've never known anybody who's ever gone to bed at night hungry they can have that you know they can i don't know it's just it's it's really the the insanity like i hate saying the trump derangement syndrome but it that's really what it is that's what it really what it's become that's led people to this so anna ultimately i mean what is what's the big picture what is at stake here if cancel culture is not stopped I, I mean, 
mean, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of optimistic in terms of like what's the future against cancel culture. But I, I do think that I, I think every, at every opportunity where we see this, we need to do something about it. Right. And I think what it's going to become, it's going to become the normalization of bricks of throwing bricks through people's windows as a form of protest right it's going to be the toppling of statues of our founding fathers as a form of protest or expressing of social grievances it's going to be the boycott and destruction of latino owned american companies just because they simply express you know something remotely positive about the sitting president of the united states it's all of these little things that you know in in just you know little bit like in in its individual it's probably not seen as such a big thing but in in its collective it's actually the destruction of the of, of what it means to be a stable country right i mean we really are seeing the dismantling of america's stability and just the civility of what it means to be an american people and i'm really glad to just see so many people kind of fighting back against it I really do hope that the American media stops feeding into it because that's kind of, I think, the, the most destructive part, right? You're seeing corporate media not calling it out for what it is. And instead, corporate media is actually feeding, kind of giving into the feeding frenzy. So on the flip side, there's a lot of folks who are going out to support Goya, just, you know, to fight back against the boycott. And you have a very special recipe to share with our <laughs> listeners using Goya foods. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So every, it's funny. Cause like every weekend I just always like, like, I really hate cooking often just cause you know, I it's working from home should be relaxing, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't like relaxing. So every weekend we always make like a big batch of what's called picadillo and I, in English translation, I guess it's called like beef hash. And we just tend to make like various kinds of meats, but like picadillo is one that we always, always make here. And I shared a video of it over the weekend and I guess people thought it looked good. So I just finally typed up the recipe because I tend to just cook from memory and it's really easy to make. It's just, you make it with ground beef, various Goya seasonings. I've literally been making this for probably like, I don't know, like 15 something years, probably longer than that. And it's awesome because it holds really well in the freezer. And I promise you, it probably takes like six, $7 worth of ingredients, but you could eat from it for like a few days. So I think we're going to post that recipe online. You make it with like ground beef, red onion, red peppers, green pepper. I mean, just it's so easy. Yeah, I highly recommend you guys make it. Uh, I mean, it's the, the beans and stuff from Goya. I, I promise you guys that's great. But like branch out into other things if you really want to make really awesome Cuban food. Awesome. Yes, Anna, we will be sure to put that full recipe in today's show notes and encourage everyone to make it because, I mean, hey, we're all home. Quarantine's still going on. You have time on your hands. Great time to learn a new good recipe. Yeah, it looks delicious. And it also, I mean, it looks fairly healthy, too. I'm, I'm excited to make it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of you can make these recipes like really healthy. It's normally supposed to include potatoes, but like I just didn't want to. I don't like making it a carb bomb like because you're supposed to also eat it with rice. Uh, I also highly recommend Goya's freezer section. I know everybody just always goes to the canned aisle. Go to the freezer section and buy everything that you see there because just every I, I've never had a Goya product that I did not like. And all of their like frozen fruits, like we're all like smoothie lovers now that it's summer. Every frozen fruit from Goya, it's like all these tropical fruits like mango, mame, whatever, just have them like a plain smoothie or if not you know make it an adult beverage if you'd like <laughs> but 
I don't know. It's just, they're just awesome. I'm telling you, I grew up on Goya. I'm so glad to see so many other people loving their products now. And I really think like turn this boycott into a boycott and like, let's make them have the best quarter ever. Uh, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Oh no, thank you guys for having me. It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it up by going to www.heritage.org slash podcast today to make your tax-deductible gift. Now it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time for crowning our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to... Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump has just launched the Find Something New campaign to help connect people who want and need jobs with the right career path. As part of our Pledge to America's Workers initiative, today we launched findsomethingnew.org. You have to check it out. It's amazing for workers and students of all ages and backgrounds. It showcases the different pathways that exist to career success that don't require a traditional two or four year college degree. Really an incredible website. So I encourage you to check it out. Findsomethingnew.org. The site offers free career assessment tests, resources for certificate programs and apprenticeships. It really, truly is this huge step in the right direction to get America back to work after COVID-19, but even more than that, to empower Americans to find jobs that they'll be good at and that they'll actually really enjoy. Yeah, I think most young people think that either I go to college or, you know, I I stick around my small town and I don't make anything of myself. And they're really trying to to buck that narrative and that there's so many other ways to success in America. And it might be a trade school, it might be a different program, because, you know, college isn't for anyone. And honestly, when I think back of a lot that I learned in college, you know, I, I learned some great things in some of my classes uh, you know, in broadcasting and in production. But a lot of the classes that I took were either math classes, which I had already taken in high school, or, you know, I think I had to take like social justice and acting. Like I just had to take these classes that were ridiculous. So I'm really glad that we're showing Americans different pathways to success. Because, uh, you know, the the American dream isn't one size fits all. It's There's so many different ways to realize that. Yeah, so we'll be sure to link that website in today's show notes and definitely check it out. I think it's awesome because it literally has put everything all in one place. It's kind of a one-stop shop for searching for careers. So, all right, well, now it is time for our Twitter question of the week. We're doing it a little bit differently this week with a Twitter challenge. So we love hearing from you guys on Twitter. So this week, our Twitter challenge is to go buy some Goya Foods, take a picture of yourself with them, tweet us that photo, and really, guys, even more so than just supporting Goya Foods, like what we're doing with this is we're saying like free speech is important and a business owner should be able to make a statement without uh, really threatening, you know, the financial stability of his organization, of his company. So to support our First Amendment right of free speech, go buy some Goya Foods uh, and tweet at us with that hashtag problematic women. Unless you are a White House official, then just... Do it in your heart. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> and that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week, and I will be back with Kelsey Bowler next week. So excited to welcome Kelsey back to the show, so be sure to join us next Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.